Thank you, Jordan. Hey, thanks to our worship team, man. They do an awesome job, don't they? I'm so grateful. So grateful to be part of a church that loves God and knows what it means to give Him praise and honor. And uh, it's not about us. And I hope you don't think that was about me, because it wasn't. Um, I mean, it was slightly more about me than it was you. But... Is about God, and we're actually going to use that kind of in our last week when we talk about it. But let me tell you something, kids. Thank you, Jordan. Kids, don't try this at home, for real. Um, <laughs> adults either, unless you have some pro- professionals come in and uh, set everything up for you, which is what we did. I mean, that wasn't just our worship team going, I think we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> we got that. It's no worry. So uh, we did have professionals, and thanks to them for coming in. Um, here's why that I did that, though. Descending from that ceiling ever since we came back from Venezuela, I was like, sometime it would be so awesome just to drop down out of the ceiling and, like, do something. So, well, I dropped down the ceiling, out of the ceiling, so now I've got to do something. So, um, but really, it was, it was kind of on my bucket list. I was like, man, if I could do that, that would be phenomenal. So now I can take that, mark it off my, my bucket list. Boom. Done. It's cool. All right. You can applaud if you want to. Some of you acted like you wanted to applaud. I don't care. (laughs) Whatever. So um, do you have a bucket list? Do you know what a bucket list is, right? A bucket list, you know, is like those things that you put down and you say, before I leave this planet, these are some things I want to experience. Well, I've got a pretty long one. Um, Here are just a few things that I want to do before I leave this planet. One is to send out of the cloud. Boom. Got that one done. All right. Um, another one is I want to go on a cruise with my wife, Teresa. So looking forward to that. Um, I would really love to see my grandchildren born and see them born again. I mean, that would be an amazing thing on my bucket list. Um, I've been fortunate enough to go to the, the country of India, which will soon be the most populous country in the world. And so I started thinking about it. I thought, India most populous be kind of cool to say you were in the most populous nation on the planet and the least populous nation on the planet. So I did a little research, and uh, there's a, a, an island called Tuvalu. It depends on who you ask, because some things are countries, and well, they're not countries, but most everybody thinks that this island of Tuvalu is, a, is the smallest populated, or the, the least number of people for an actual nation. It's in the Pacific, and I'm thinking, if I could be in Tuvalu, then I could have that crossed off my list, too. So those are kind of some of my bucket list things. And on Facebook, um, earlier this week, I just put up on a post and I said, hey, put on three things that you think would be cool to do sometime, you know, on your bucket list. And so, each week, um, we're going to have a little time where we just go through some of these things. So, here are some bucket list items from some people. Um, Own at least part of a draft horse. (laughs) Anybody know who wrote that one? Jim Breckbuehler. Exactly right. Uh, live close enough to my children and grandchildren to see them often. Hmm, that's a good one. Here's one. Get married and have a large family. That's nice. Raise a family. That's good. Fulfill my uh, dad's last wishes to have his ad- ashes scattered in New Zealand. That's good. Write a book, preferably one that someone wants, actually wants to read. That'd be good see all of my loved ones come to Christ? Let's do one more. Uh, Ride in a helicopter. Not as cool as belaying from the ceiling. Anyway, um, 
bucket lists are cool. Uh, it's a neat exercise. You kind of just dream a little bit. You think about, you know, what would it be like if? And you sort of then prioritize those things. And you begin to plan. And you sacrifice. And you think, man, if, if this is going to really happen, I'm going to have to do something about it. So today, we start a new series, four weeks long, called Bucket List. The, the idea of this bucket list series is this. Think with the end in mind. Think with the end in mind, the end of life, the end of your time here on the planet, whether Jesus calls you home or he comes to take you. What do you want to accomplish here on earth? Well, this list that we would put together, obviously we could have a ton of things on there, a ton of things. But we're going to do four. Love, journey, purpose, and win. And all four of those are both nouns and verbs. So next week we're going to talk about journey. What does it look like to go on a journey that's significant? And every single one of us has a different path, has a different journey. But every single path can be significant and fulfilling if it's directed by God. The Sunday before VBS, we're going to talk about the joy of discovering your purpose. God's plan just for you. On Father's Day, we're going to talk about winning no matter the cost. So that's kind of where we're headed. But today, our focus is on love. So first, let's define the word. What does love mean? The dictionary says this. Love is an intense feeling of deep affection. That's a horrible definition. <laughs> That's like a weak sauce definition of love, to be really honest with you. Love is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. It's just not. Love is a decision. Love is a choice. That's why you don't hear the dictionary definition of love at weddings, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys have a deep, intense feeling of, or intense feeling of deep affection for each other. Congratulations. What you do here at weddings is God's definition of love. And it's, there are many of them, actually, but the one that's most common is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is one of the ways God defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love is both a noun and a verb. So love is and love does. Last week, we, last week, we completed a series that shows how our culture and our faith are increasingly at odds with each other. And because of that, we have to choose to speak and live God's truth. And we have to speak and live that truth with what? With love, right? Say it together. With what? With love. We have to speak the truth. You have to live the truth in love. Because love opens a door to conversation. 
So people are going to be more receptive to hear the truth. People care how much you know when they know how much you care. Listen to Romans 12, 9 through 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in your confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And then the passage goes on and talks about what it looks like to love and live at peace with people who do not agree with you. How do you love those people? Read the rest. Check it out this week. See, love isn't a perfectly grilled steak or the best shoes you've ever owned, although those things can be great. Love isn't about things. Love is about people. When we experience love, we truly begin to live. And we experience love in all kinds of human relationships. We're going to look at three common ones. First, friends, then family, and then, I'm sorry, then marriage, and then family. So let's begin with friends. Friends build us up. They help us out. They make us laugh. They're, they're uh, there when we cry. They help us grow to become better people. Someone once summarized friendship this way. They said, a friend is someone who walks in when everyone else walks out. The Bible says something very similar to that. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Good days, bad days, sad times, happy times. A friend loves at all times. Listen to these song lyrics. Lean on me when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. You've got troubles and I've got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together and can see it through because you've got a friend in me. If you're lonely and you need a friend and troubles seem like they never end, just remember to keep the faith and love will be there to light the way. Anytime you need a friend, I will be here. You'll never be alone. So don't you fear. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you have to do is call, and I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a friend. Thousands of years ago, Jonathan and David were great friends. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. He was next in line to be king. Unfortunately, Saul seriously disobeyed God. So God took the crown from Saul's family and gave it to David and his family. So Jonathan, who did absolutely nothing wrong, was going to be passed over to be the next king. And his best friend, David, was going to take that role. Now that's a pretty challenging, stressful thing for a friendship, don't you think? That would put a little strain on it. But Jonathan was never jealous. He wanted what was best for David. In fact, he stood up for David, even against his own father. His father, Saul, wanted to kill David. And Jonathan helped him, helped David. 
So Jonathan remained loyal to David, but he also remained loyal to his father. In fact, he died in battle next to his father. True friendship. You know, it can be amazing to experience the love of a true friend. So ask yourself this question. How am I showing true love in a friend relationship? How am I doing that? Truly loving someone can change their life. Many people also experience love in a marriage relationship. In the book of Genesis, we read about a man named Jacob. And Jacob was not a perfect guy, not at all. But Jacob met Rachel, and he immediately fell for her. And in that culture, in order to be married, um, he had to go ask permission from her father and pay some, a dowry kind of thing. And he didn't have that. And so he said, I would like to marry your daughter. And, and Laban, Rachel's uh, father, said, okay, you want to do that? That's fine. Uh, all you have to do is work for me for seven years, and then you can marry my daughter. Well, most guys would have taken off at that point, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people on the planet, right? You know, so if you can't have Rachel, maybe you have somebody else. And seven years of labor seems like an awful lot before you can even marry this lady. But that's what Rachel agreed to. Now, I'm not going to spoil it. No spoiler alerts. But if you want to read the rest of the story in Genesis 29, it's pretty cool. Um, there are a lot of plot twists and turns. It's pretty interesting stuff. But know this, Jacob and Rachel did get married. Not exactly as Jacob had hoped, but everything uh, did work out. They did get married. Um, but Jacob was willing to make a huge sacrifice for his wife. And that was because he loved her. Remember the passage we read earlier from 1 Corinthians 13 that talked about love? Paul, who wrote that, also wrote this about marriage and love. Husbands, love your wives... Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jacob loved Rachel and he gave up a lot to show that love. That's what marriage should be about. Sacrificing, caring for the other person. Really, really loving them. Marriage is a unique relationship. Because the husband and wife choose each other, especially in our culture. You, you choose the person that you're going to be with for the rest of your life out of everybody on the planet. I mean, it's different than any other relationship. For example, you can choose your friends, right? Typically, you pick who your friends are. But you don't stand up in front of a whole bunch of people and in front of God and say, I choose this friend to be my friend for the rest of my life. Some friendships last forever, and, you know, some, some don't. Well, family is a, is a forever kind of thing. You know, it's kind of like every time you're here on the planet, you, you have family. If you have family, you have family, right? So that's kind of like a marriage thing. Well, it's not because guess what? You didn't choose your family. And they kind of didn't choose you either. <laughs> God chose who you were going to be in a family with, and there's a reason for that. And so while family is a lifelong commitment, it's not something you chose. Marriage is unique. You stand before God and before people, and you make a, a, a covenant. You, you say vows to each other. Things like this. I choose you for better or worse. 
whether we're rich or poor, whether we have good health or not. I'm going to love you and cherish you as long as I have breath in my body. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. Don and Maxine Simpson were married for 62 years. They met in a bowling alley, and, and they were just together after that, never separated. In August of 2014, Don became very ill and uh, went to the hospital. Um, his hip was broken, they discovered, but things got worse after that, and he just began to go downhill. So they brought him home to be with his wife, who had been battling cancer for several years. And with her family and her loving husband by her side, Maxine quietly passed away. And Don passed away four hours later. The couple spent their final hours holding hands and smiling. Just as they had always done. It can be truly amazing to experience the love of a spouse. That's how God wants it to be. So ask yourself this question. If you're married, how are you showing love? Unconditional, sacrificial, I will do anything for you because I care about you more than I care about me kind of love for your spouse. Truly loving someone can change their life. Another common relationship where we experience love is in family. Again, that's what it's designed to be about. There's a story of a lady named Ruth in the uh, Old Testament of the Bible. And Ruth's story really has all three of these relationships, the friendship, the marriage, and the family all together. But at one point, Ruth makes a declaration to her mother-in-law, and this is what she says, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Now, families can sometimes be quirky and irritating and even broken. We all know that. But good families live out this verse. They're going to be together no matter what. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. As the phrase goes, blood is thicker than water. Family relationships are strong because God designed family to be the one constant relationship in a world that changes and crumbles around us. Even when other relationships are struggling, families should never give up, always be there, and show unconditional love. It's why families go to the hospital when there's a baby born. It's, it's why families sit in the front row when someone's being baptized. It's why they sit at the front row for a, a wedding and for a funeral. Ideally, families are all about loving in every chapter of life. Families will make sacrifices for each other, even if it includes pizza. Pizza? It's not just pizza, sweetheart. She can't have any dairy. She can have cheeseless pizza. Who would want that? Well, um, if Anna can't have pizza, then I won't have it either. Mm. Well, Abby, that's a great idea. I'm in. Oh, me too. Ever? You're not going to have pizza ever? Well, until Anna's better. Well, my body's still growing. <laughs> Wrong answer, genius. Abby. It's okay, Adeline. You're only six, no pressure.
too. Look at that. Let's hear it for you, Ladybug. <laughs> okay, is she getting well soon, sweetheart? Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> right. Families are designed to teach us an awful lot about love. So ask yourself this question. How do I truly, selflessly, unconditionally, consistently love my family? Truly loving someone can change their life. So knowing that, let's commit to doing two things this week. First, make this commitment in your, in your head, okay? Determine that you were going to show love to someone around you in a very tangible way this week. Whether it's a friend, a family member, a spouse, whoever it happens to be. Say, yes, I will this week in a very tangible way demonstrate love. Second thing, make this decision. This is in your own head. This week, I will say thank you to someone who has shown true love to me. Let them know how much it changed you. Write a note. Go visit somebody. Make a phone call. Tell them across the dinner table. Express your appreciation for someone loving you. So that briefly touches on three kinds of human relationships. But here's what's kind of cool. We can experience God's love in a way that's just like those three relationships. God's love in friendship and in marriage and in family. See, God can be our closest friend. And our relationship with God through Jesus is is like a marriage. And we can be God's children with God as our Father. So let's just look at these briefly. First, friends. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples in the book of John. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You know, most of us don't share uh, our hearts, really, with many people. You know, only a few. We usually don't share personal things with strangers or even some of our acquaintances. So check out what Jesus is saying here. Even though I have every right to call you my servants, I'm calling you my friends. And my frustrations, my joys, the things that I'm dealing with, I want to share those with you. And I want you to share those with me. This is a personal relationship. It's no longer teacher, disciple, master, servant. It is friend. Now, obviously, Jesus wasn't saying that to everyone on the planet. So who is Jesus saying this to? The the people who were there, for sure, his closest disciples. But if you look back at one verse in, in John 15, 14, this is what he says. You are my friends if you do what I command. What does he command? Back up to verse 12. Jesus commands us to do this. My command is this, to 
love each other as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus is saying this. If you are my follower and you love people and you do what I say, then you're my friend. I think that could include us. Yeah. While we're in this passage, I think it would be good for us to just take a second and look at verse 13, where Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And we'll come back to that in a minute, but you know, tomorrow is Memorial Day. So let's be sure that we remember those who gave their lives for our freedom. And to be honest, most of those people we don't even know. They just willingly laid down their lives for our freedom. So let's remember to honor them and thank them tomorrow. And we'll pray for them at the end of the service. And let's remember to honor and say thanks to Jesus for our eternal freedom as well. According to uh, John 1 and Colossians 1, Jesus is the Word of God, and He was uh, part of making everything in the universe. He was there at the beginning. He is God. Philippians 2 said that Jesus has been given a name that is above every other name. That He left heaven, and He came here to earth. So God, who did all of those things, is saying, I want you to be my friend. Some of you will remember these words. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It is amazing to experience God's love expressed through friendship. Second, it's a little hard to understand at first, honestly, but we also experience God's love as portrayed in a marriage relationship. I've been privileged to do many weddings, and there's just something incredible about the bride that day. You know, she's decked out in this gorgeous dress. Her hair looks perfect. She just looks fabulous. And when she walks down the aisle, everybody stands up, and everybody smiles because she's smiling. She's, like, literally glowing. It's just incredible. Do you know that that's exactly how the Bible portrays you if you follow Jesus? Because of the love and sacrifice of Jesus, we are described as a pure radiant bride. Remember the verse we read earlier about husbands showing love to their wives? Well, listen to this. It's the same idea. In fact, this is what Paul was really talking about. He was talking about Christ and the church. He said, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless think of it that marriage relationship where you choose someone jesus is proposing to you jesus is saying to you i want you to be my bride i choose you for life jesus wants you to have life abundant life here on earth eternal life in heaven. He, he wants to take away your stains and clothe you in white. He wants you to be radiant. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. It's amazing to experience God's love in a, in a marriage relationship, the one where we make a choice for the rest of our lives. 
And we also experience God's love in the context of family. In John chapter 1, we read this. To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. God's family is diverse. We have different passions, different gifts. Our journeys are all different, and yet we have this in common. We are brothers and sisters through Jesus, and God is our Father. Here are just a few of the many verses about being part of God's family. Whenever you have the opportunity, do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Pray for each other. Serve each other. Practice hospitality to one another. Accept one another. Encourage one another and build each other up. Be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to each other. Challenge each other to express love and do good deeds. Above all, love each other deeply. It is worth your time to get to know a few brothers and sisters here at Discover. Get plugged into a group. Hang out this summer Serve together, grow together, pray for each other, love each other. I really hope that you have experienced love in your life through family or marriage or friendship. But even if all of these relationships have failed you, and if we're being really honest, every human relationship fails us at some point. A relationship with God never fails because God is unfailing. God's love is stronger than the greatest friendship. His love is more secure than the best marriage. God's love is more eternal than the most wonderful family. And you can experience God's love today, every day. And if you want to know what it looks like to have a relationship with God, in a few minutes we're going to sing a song and you can come down and we, we can talk with you and, and pray with you about that. Or if that doesn't seem like quite the right time and you just want to get together and, and do that sometime, please, please do that. The most famous verse in the Bible is about God's love for you. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Sometime look in the mirror and say that verse with your name in it. God loves Steve so much that he gave his only son that if Steve believes in him, he won't perish but have eternal life. You are the reason God sent Jesus. This is very personal. God loves you so much, he allowed his only child to die so you could become his child. So, Two more things to add to your list for this week. They're very much like the two that we already talked about. The first one is this. 
Show your love to God in a tangible way. I don't know what that is. God will lead you to it. The second one is this. Make sure you take time to thank God for loving you so much. In the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell sentenced a soldier to be shot for his crimes. The execution was supposed to take place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell. However, curfew came, but the bell didn't sound. The reason they tried <laughs> to make it sound, but what happened was the, the soldier's fiance climbed up into the bell tower and grabbed the hold of the clapper and held on as they tried to ring it. And she was summoned by Cromwell. And when he saw her hands that were bloody and bruised, he looked at her and said, you know, your love saved your love's life. There's not going to be an execution tonight. When Jesus hung on the cross with bloody, bruised hands, feet, entire body, He saved your life. An execution still took place, but he stood in for you. He not only died a physical death, he died a spiritual death so that you wouldn't have to, so that I wouldn't have to. You can live because Jesus loves you. If you only remember one thing from today, I hope it's not that I was weird enough to come down out of the ceiling, honestly. I hope it's this. I hope you remember this. You are on God's bucket list. Your name is on God's bucket list. Jesus gave his life before he died so that if you accept him before you die, you can have life. And God wants to take your name off of the bucket list and put it in the Lamb's book of life. Before you die, God wants you to experience authentic, eternal love. Just close your eyes and listen to these verses about how much God loves you. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down, go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, although it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Would you please just sing with me? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. You know, at the end of our lives, as we look back at the things that we've accomplished, if we have experienced love, the love of people, and especially the love of Jesus, then our life is full. Our life will be complete. Because love is the thing, the element that holds everything together. At the end of that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this. At the end of it all, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Would you pray with me? God, at the end of our lives, not many things are going to matter. But love certainly will. Keep love in our minds. Keep love on our lists every day. Help us to live with the end in mind and to love with the end in mind. More than anything, help us to experience your love and share it with everyone around us. We pray through Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand?